Welcome to the podcast for Epworth United Methodist Church in Berkeley, California. I'm Pastor Kristen Stone King. Our mission at Epworth is to live out God's love for all. We strengthen our faith as we worship, study, develop a creative, supportive community, and serve others. Together, we encourage each other, challenge each other, and welcome all people on their journey of faith. Reconciling congregation, meaning that persons of all sexual orientations and gender identities are welcomed to help transform our church and our world into the full expression of Christ's inclusive love. We are a sanctuary church advocating for the rights and dignity of immigrants, and we stand in solidarity with the movement for Black Lives. blends a taste of the music that we experience here in worship on Sunday mornings, along with a scripture reading and a message. Bruce Larigo, a very grateful member of Epworth, and I'm reading from the book of Matthew, chapter 22, verses 15 to 22. Then the Pharisees went and plotted to entrap him in what he said. So they sent their disciples to him, along with the Herodians, saying, Teacher, we know that you are sincere and teach the way of God in accordance with truth and show deference to no one for you do not regard people with partiality. Tell us then what you think. Is it lawful to pay taxes to the emperor or not? But Jesus, aware of their malice, said, Why are you putting me to the test, you hypocrites? Show me the coin used for the tax. And they brought him a denarius. Then he said to them, Whose head is this and whose title? They answered, The emperor's. Then he said to them, 
Give therefore to the emperor the things that are the emperor's, and to God the things that are God's. When they heard this, they were amazed, and they left him and went away. Gracious and loving God, I ask that the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts would be acceptable to you, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. As we begin this morning, I want to ask you to take a moment to consider those persons in your life who have been most influential who have shown you care, who have invested in you, who have hoped for you, who have believed in you? Who are the people who spoke a kind word to you when you needed a lift or challenged you to experience the joy of growth? Take a moment now and think of these people. Well, chances are that for most of you, among the people who came to mind, there was at least one teacher. Maybe this was an early teacher who patiently taught you not just letters and numbers, but how to make a friend and how to solve a conflict. Or maybe this was a teacher in middle school or high school who challenged you to think and grow. Or maybe it was a later teacher in college or graduate school who mentored you and maybe now is even a friend. Teachers are special people. And Epworth is blessed with many educators who teach or have taught from the early ages in elementary school or even preschool to the graduate level. And there are persons in our congregation who may not teach as a vocation, but impart the stories of faith and the questions of right living to our children and youth. 
Today, after church, five persons who have been training for months to be Stephen ministers in our congregation will be commissioned. And they have been trained, taught, by our Stephen ministry leaders. This is a ministry of both teaching and being taught in the accompaniment of care. And I give thanks for these educators, these teachers, one and all. Our teachers have borne a heavy load during COVID, moved to online paradigms with not as much training and support as would have been ideal, sometimes having to field uninformed questions or criticisms, and yet they have persevered. Teachers have often been uh, the front line of realizing that a student needs help or resources or more supportive services. And as students' education has moved to screens and homes, this essential service of identifying needs has been even harder to enact, while the needs have, in some cases, become even more acute. And yet our teachers have kept teaching and risking. As students and teachers now go back into the classrooms here in Berkeley and in other locations across the Bay Area, our educators are being asked to take another big risk. I hope you'll join me in praying for our teachers and educators during this anxiety-filled and transitional time. Biblical scholar Amy Jill Levine, who is herself a seminary professor at Vanderbilt Divinity School, has shared in her book, in Entering the Passion of Jesus, which is our companion book for the Lenten season this year, uh, Amy Jill Levine has shared how fraught teaching is, that there is always the possibility that the teaching is misrepresented. She shares how students have graduated from the seminary, then gone on to preach sermons, misquoting her, saying, Professor Levine said, it's terrifying, she says. Then she says, this is why the epistle of James says, not many of you should become teachers. To teach, to put one's knowledge and conclusions and challenges out into the world is always a risk. Jesus, of course, was also a teacher. When he spoke to his disciples or to the crowds, often his intent was to impart some teaching or spiritual wisdom. Sometimes he did this in parables, offering a story that examined, when, it, when examined, revealed layers upon layers of understanding and wisdom, its meaning blooming like a flower. And sometimes he spoke directly, like when he told his disciples his death was imminent. He spoke directly when he needed there to be no question about what he was saying, even as he knew that his message was hard to accept. In today's scripture, the Pharisees approach him with the honorific title, teacher, or in Greek, didaskalos. But their intent is not to learn from him, but to trap him, as the gospel writer tells us as the passage begins. These are people living under the occupation of a foreign ruler with a foreign god. Is it right to pay taxes to Caesar, they ask? One might think this was a legitimate question about how to be faithful under such conditions. 
but their intent was to discredit him, maybe even trick him into saying something that could get him arrested. But what does Jesus do? Jesus refuses to be trapped into an either or paradigm and instead teaches out of what is often called a both and framework or a third way paradigm. He says, give to Caesar what is Caesar, Caesar's and give to God what is God's. How often do we find ourselves frustrated trying to respond to someone who opens a question with an embedded assumption that we don't agree with? Whether intended or not, it's a trap that can keep us from expressing our own truth. It feels like there's no way to answer the question without tacitly agreeing to the assumption. In Jesus's day of first century Palestine, there was a culture of what was called challenge repost, which basically meant that when a challenge was put to someone, there was an expectation that the response would be quick. Sometimes when we get one of these questions or challenges with an embedded assumption we don't agree with, we have this sense, this feeling that something is wrong with the question before we have the understanding of what it is that's exactly not right, what's wrong. It's like our bodies know something before our brain has caught up. And in the pressure to give an answer, we can disregard our own gut wisdom that's telling us to reject the assumption. In today's scripture, Jesus guides us in how to buy some time to put the pieces together. Instead of answering this question that was put to him right away, he asks another question. Show me the coin used for paying taxes, he says. Then he buys some more time asking whose face is on the coin and what is the inscription. As his questioners become the questioned, the conversation deepens and Jesus is able to draw out the answer he wants. He leads us to a bigger perspective on the question while not breaking the relationship, even with those who are trying to entrap him. At the same time, he does not deny his own truth, but keeps himself from being put into further jeopardy. One of the places we need to be most vigilant is when questions contain embedded assumptions that are really about bias. Sometimes biased assumptions are so entangled, it's hard to identify where to even begin with a statement or a question. For the past year, I've been co-chairing a process at the Graduate Theological Union to assess the state of diversity, equity, and inclusion at the GTU and create recommendations for even more robust policies and strengthened practices to make sure all persons have equitable access and support and are seen and honored in their uniqueness and complexity so that everyone can thrive. It has been a blessing to experience with a group of committed educators, board members, and students the depth of commitment to our task. One of the challenges that has been raised is that the whole enterprise of higher education has become less a project of the people as it is defunded at the public level and more corporatized funding is replaced by making bargains with the private sector. 
market forces that prioritize efficiency and income productions, production are often at odds with the laborious and often slow work of pursuing deep understanding and dismantling systemic oppression. Is access and equity in a broken system really the goal, one might ask? But Jesus models for us uh, today, in today's lesson, how to refuse to be defeated by an oppressive system, in his case, the Roman Empire, while still staying in the struggle for a new and liberative reality. As our diversity, equity, and inclusion consultant at the GTU uh, put it, who is herself uh, an educator, she teaches at USC and Cal State Los Angeles, uh, she was quoting uh, Black Panther leader Huey Newton, and she said, survival pending revolution. Jesus knew that arrest was coming, but he also knew that the longer he could forestall it, the more time he had to teach and to prepare his disciples for the revolution of the crucifixion and the resurrection. I began this morning talking about the teachers and educators among us for whom teaching is a professional vocation. We honor you and are with you as you continue to navigate this very challenging time. And I want to remind all of us that we all have opportunities to teach as we model in our behavior and speech the commitments of a Christian. Parents are teachers, friends are teachers, even students can be teachers when we take risks to communicate a countercultural way of doing and being. This countercultural way is about liberating and loving and living rather than getting and spending or winning and losing. For Christians, there is always a middle way, a third way that rejects this binary paradigm that tells us things must be this or that. If we are able to risk following Jesus, the teacher, into this revolutionary third way, there we will find ever unfolding good news. There we will find eternal life. Amen. Lord, I come, I confess, bowing here I find my rest. Without you, I fall apart. You're the one to guide my heart. Oh, I need you, Lord, I need you. Every hour I need you. My one defense, my righteousness. Lord, how I need you. Where sin runs deep, your grace is more. Where grace is found is where you are. And where you are, Lord, I am free. Holiness is Christ in me. Oh, I need you, Lord, I need you, 
for Epworth United Methodist Church in Berkeley, California. Wherever you're located, we'd love for you to take a next step in growing in faith in this community. Our online worship is at 10 a.m. on Sunday mornings on Facebook, YouTube, and on our website at epworthberkeley.org. Or you can fill out an online connect card at epworthberkeley.org backslash connect. Have a great week.